Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. On this episode, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, continues in our series on the heroes of faith found in Hebrews 11. If you want to watch the video of this message or listen to this week's worship, you can do so on our website, brookwoodchurch.org, or you can find all of that and much more on our Brookwood app. We pray that this message encourages you in your walk with Christ. things are possible. Do you believe that? We live in an unusual time, don't we? It's not a God-abandoned time. We're not a God-abandoned people. So what does God, who is just as alive and present now in this unusual time, want you to know? You know, we things are different right now. And perhaps our lives have slowed down a bit. So it's time to listen. It's time to hear what God is saying to each of us. We return to our series called Believing God. And it's based on a survey of Hebrews chapter 11. The background for the particular story will come out of Genesis 4, so we'll be flipping back and forth there. But if you want to begin at Hebrews chapter 11, either with your, on your phone or your Bible, and for those of you at home, you can use whichever you have, but I notice a few of you need to wash those pajamas. The theme verse for today... You like that, did you, Jimmy? <laughs> the theme verse for today, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable sacrifice. And our title today, for today's message is Presentation of Faith. And it will focus on Abel. Whose parents were Abel? Adam and Eve. Abel was the, which order? What, was he first or second born? Second born son. After what first born son? What was his name? Cain. Cain. These brothers were born after their parents rebelled against God. And that rebellion plunged not only the two of them, but all of humankind into sin. Sin was introduced so that we're born into sin, which means also we're born separated from God. Now, this separation caused by sin made a return to God by faith necessary. Do you realize that Adam and Eve did not need faith? What do you think about that, Jim? You think they needed faith? Before, before the fall, they didn't need faith. Why? Because they were in intimate relationship. There were no obstructions, no separation from God. So they did need faith. That was a good response because they needed faith. They needed faith as well following their fall. But these sons, these two sons 
pursued different occupations. And as I said, we're going to be going back and forth from Genesis 4 to Hebrews 11. And Genesis chapter 4 verse 2 tells us their occupations. And it says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. So he was what? He was a farmer. And each of these brothers gave an offering to God as an expression of worship. Now, Abel's offering was acceptable by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. And again, the background, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, tells us, when it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Now, it's interesting to note that Cain and Abel gathered at a particular time of the year. What was the time? Harvest. And they gathered... Apparently, this is implied, at a particular place where there was what? An altar. Some type of platform or surface on which to make sacrifices. But why did they do it? Remember, whenever you read the scripture, ask this question. Why did they do this or what does it mean? Because you see, they would have known nothing about the need for worship, the necessity of sacrifice, unless someone told them. They were either told directly by God or by their parents who was instructing them on how to relate to God appropriately. Now, just a little side note, Adam and Eve had been exposed to animal sacrifice when God made something for them. What was it? Clothes. That would be very fashionable now, right? You ladies know it's funny to me how things are in fashion and out of fashion. So are animal prints in fashion now? Are they? Always. <laughs> Always. So, so God made them clothing from animal skins following their fall, Genesis 3.21. Now perhaps, 
that was the very first sacrifice. And it continued. I mean, God had created the world from nothing. He didn't need to use resources or raw materials that he could find. He could have just created cotton with elastatine. Isn't that what it's called? Where it fits tight, but it gives you some... You know what I'm talking about? It's got a little stretch. That old polyester that was invented when I was a teenager made you sweat, boy, like you were in a hothouse. But this cotton with elastatine, it stays cool, but it lets a body move. Now, if that was so high-tech, why didn't God just invent that? He could have, and yet he sacrificed animals to produce covering. Now, there was a foreshadowing, obviously, of a sacrifice for covering sin. But each of these sons offered something different. They offered what, what they produced, what they cultivated. Cain presented some of his crops. We don't know whether it was wheat or fruit or vegetables. And Abel produced, as verse 4 says, the best portions of his firstborn lambs. Now God accepted Abel and his gift. We focus on the gift, don't we? But I think it's far more significant that the gift represented the person. God accepted Abel and his gift. God did not accept Cain and his gift. Which certainly indicates to us that God had established and communicated an acceptable pattern for worship and sacrifice. That's not all in Genesis. So I'm giving you some insights, what it implies based on other ways God related to people throughout the ages. Now, was there anything wrong with fruit and vegetables? No. There was absolutely nothing wrong with offering produce. In fact, the law of Moses, which would be given much later, included such offerings. The later given Mosaic law, which just means the law of Moses, offers us insight into why Abel's gift was acceptable and Cain's was not. Anybody have a guess? Say it louder. I can't hear you. Well, that's a, good, that's a good point. The words that he gave, that Abel gave the best and Cain gave some. That's a, that's a good distinction. I don't think it's the right one. But thank you for that. His heart, perhaps. But the clearest distinction how he lived his life. Those are all good ideas 
and they may accompany the primary point. But the primary point is that Abel offered a blood sacrifice. And a blood sacrifice must be offered first to cover the sins of the giver of whatever else he gives. You see what I'm saying? All of your points were right. He was well motivated. He gave the best. All that's good. But it did none of those things could remove sin. None of, none of their best efforts and none of ours can remove sin. And the blood sacrifice must come first because the, the, the gift represents the giver before God. Hebrews 9.22, look at this one. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. See, the death of the sacrifice is essential to cover sin, but death shows how serious sin against God is. And we need to understand this. All sin is against God. Now, it may have been committed against another person, but it's still against God. You see what I'm saying? It's still against God. Abel's offering was better because he believed how damaging sin was. He understood the stories from his parents who had been driven out of the garden where life was easy, where conversation with God was continual and constant, where there was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no hiding. But now they're living outside and it's harder. Making a living is much harder. So they understood this, and, and Abel's offering was better because he believed about the seriousness of sin. He believed what God said about sin, and he offered what God required in terms of this blood sacrifice. Boy, sometimes we like to get away from that part of the gospel and soap it up, you know, clean it up. But if we leave... Blood sacrifice is essential. We have left the gospel. See, Cain, it may have been that he gave some of his, like you said, it was a good, that's good insight. Maybe he gave, well, you know, this, this orange is small. This banana's getting soft. I'll take that. But perhaps not. Perhaps the sum just meant a part of it might have been the best looking wheat, fruit, squash he had. But here's the issue. Cain gave God what Cain wanted, not what God wanted. 
in effect, he's denying the seriousness of his sin by worshiping God the way he wants to. I'm glad none of us would ever be guilty of that. Now, did Cain not believe in God? No, Cain believed in God. Or he wouldn't have brought a sacrifice. Did Cain understand he needed to show appreciation for the harvest? Absolutely he did. In fact, this passage indicates which brother initiated this offering time. Who's mentioned first? Cain. Cain likely initiated this, said, okay, brother, harvest is in now. I've brought in all my crops. It's time for you and I to go offer sacrifices. Cain believed in God. Cain didn't believe God. He ignored God's instructions about sacrifices. See, he thought he could approach God in the way he wanted. I mean, he was sacrificing. Did he expect God to accept what he offered? Well, sure he did. And so when God rejected him and his gift, how did Cain respond? Look at this. This made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Cain became angry. And what would we call it today? Looking dejected. We say it to our children. Yes, who said that? You know something about it. You need to come up here and help me. (laughs) Cain was pouting. Cain's mad. Cain's disappointed. Cain's despondent. Cain's been done wrong by God. Cain didn't get his way with God. False religion of every description is trying to come to God in any way other than the way he prescribes. You know, you hear this talk, well, we all worship the same God, but we don't all walk the same way toward him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the only way to receive life. See, let me give you a comparison. You don't feel well, you go to a physician, he diagnoses you with a fatal disease. Lays out this pretty radical treatment plan. Would you follow it? Or would you say, I really don't want to do that. I don't want any scars, so I don't want any surgery. I don't, none of that chemo, none of, no radiation. No, I'll just alter my diet a little bit. This is what I prefer to do, doctor. 
And you look at me and you say, well, that would, that's ridiculous. But sin is more fatal than any malignancy. And spiritual death is eternal. And yet many of us think we can decide how we will respond to God. And yet we remain sure of his forgiveness. And as I'm saying this now, you go, wow, that's a little bit frightening. Well, here's how it sounds. I want to go to heaven, so I will believe in Jesus, but I won't stop living immorally. I'll continue to serve myself, and I will mistreat others because I don't really like those people. They look different than me. They act different than me. And I'll hoard whatever I have because, I, you know, I need, I need some put back. And I'm really sure God will be okay with that. And that God will welcome me into heaven because that seems reasonable to me. I just described much of contemporary Christianity. Didn't I? See, Cain didn't mind worshiping God. He didn't even mind sacrificing some of his produce to him. I'll even say some of the best. The biggest plums. As long as it was on his own terms. But God rejected his sacrifice and God rejected him. Cain is an example of a, of a religious but unsaved person who does believe in God, who does even practice, has some religious practices, but really lives by his own will, her own opinions, their own preferences. And doesn't that seem reasonable? You think it seems reasonable? Well, you... But look at this. Proverbs 14 warns us. There's a path before each person that seems right. But where does it end up? So, in other words, if I think, okay, I've got an idea and it seems right to me, what should I do? What do you think, Susie? What should I do? Ask God. Ask God. I better be sure my thinking is aligned with His. Because what I think instinctively may not be right. And it could end up disastrously. So here's where we talk... I just re return this question, sort of summarizing. Am I, am I, are you presenting God the sacrifices he wants from your life? Or am I just offering him what I want to give? Abel's offering was approved by God. 
back to Hebrews 11, verse 4. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. And Abel, just, I have to kind of rewind a little bit. Abel's evidence of faith was that he offered the appropriate sacrifice that God required. Now, do we think Abel was a better man than Cain? Do you? Do we think Abel was less of a sinner than Cain? Any reason to believe that? But Abel trusted what God said enough to obey it. And his brother Cain didn't. See, faith is no more and no less than trusting what God says. Genesis 4. This is God confronting Cain in verse 6. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. See, Cain's angry. God didn't approve his offering or him or of him. See, Cain wanted to dictate to God what was acceptable, not submit to God's direction. And when God rejected Cain, Cain became angry and pouted because he believed, what did he believe about God? Somebody spit it out. Unfair, I think I heard back there. God's not fair. God mistreated me. Which is sin. See, sin always begins with doubting God means what he says. Sin always starts with questioning God's motivation. Then substituting our own ideas and opinions and preferences instead of God's word. And, and boy, we see it so widely today with, with people declaring themselves Christians and then putting in their views on morality, sexuality, marriage, and many other issues. But what we truly believe will always become evident in our actions. James 2.14 What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith and don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? The implied answer is no. And Abel's sacrifice revealed the kind of faith 
that results in salvation. It implied that he understood not only his own sinfulness, but his own limited perspective. He understood the need of the blood sacrifice for forgiveness because of sin, but he also understood that he didn't know better than God. Now, we're not sure exactly how God showed his approval of Abel's gifts. It might have been direct communication. It may have followed a practice that God used repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, which was sending fire directly to consume sacrifices. And five different times in the Old Testament, fire from God burned sacrifices made by Aaron, by Gideon, by Elijah, by David, and by Solomon. And also, perhaps here, at this first sacrifice by a person expressing worship. This is the first time we see worship in the Scripture. And perhaps, it doesn't tell us that's how it happened, but perhaps God consumed the sacrifice himself. And as a result of the sacrifice, Abel was considered righteous. He wasn't righteous Practically, he wasn't perfect, but he was declared righteous, considered righteous by God because he had faith in God's words. That's what faith is. That's the irreducible minimum, believing God's words. And we're declared righteous. Do you know that you are righteous in God's eyes? You know, it's interesting. So often Christians, their response to that question is, well, I know I'm not perfect. No, in the eyes of God, you must be perfect. You perfect? Not trying to be. You can't try to be. That's offering your best watermelons. You either are in the eyes of God or you're not. You see, there's no middle ground here because it's not about your behavior. It's about God's forgiveness. See the difference? Our, our tendency to say, well, I'm not doing, I'm not. That's just old shame and guilt. We're dragging forward. But by faith, Every one of you is absolutely perfect. That's not a perfection that yields arrogance because we know it's an undeserved favor, which is a definition of what? Of grace. And grace, properly understood, is always humbling. Abel's offering was an assertion of the necessity of obedience. And so Hebrews 11, the last part of that passage, says, Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Abel is still giving us instruction from his life recorded in the Bible. How did his death occur? Well, Genesis 4 tells us that. 
It says, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. See, Cain was angry with God. But he also resented his brother because his brother was accepted by God. And because Abel's obedience exposed Cain's disobedience. But rather than omitting, ad admitting and repenting of his sin, he blamed his brother for humiliating him, for exposing him. And out of that anger, out of that envy, out of that resentment, he murdered him. How often do we blame and even punish others out of anger that we actually feel towards God because of the state of our lives? Do you hear that? Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? Now, did God know where he was? God asks us questions, so we have to articulate answers. And we see ourselves. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? This translation says guardian, but I prefer that brother's keeper, don't you? You see, yes, he's his brother's keeper. And yes, each of us are our brother's keeper. That's what we're missing when we care only about ourselves or our few. And in God's family, we're not concerned about others in God's family. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Because God is just, Abel's blood cried out for God to avenge this. But I think the, the, the personal message from Abel to us from the scripture is that we must come to God in the way he prescribes. By faith, not good behavior, not the best we have to offer. Certainly not in any way we want. We accept and obey God's revelation of right and wrong above our own opinions and preferences. James 1 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. We can't claim to have faith in God and continually disregard his word. So does the faith I profess result in me presenting a life that reflects obedience to God's word? If not, do I truly possess saving faith? Father, I pray that you will show us where we are with you, what our relationship is. Do we possess saving our faith or are we relying on our best efforts? God, I pray that you would Show us revealing our sin, revealing our shortcomings, and then calling us to your Son that in your eyes we can be declared righteous. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. Email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326 so that you can get in contact with our Connections team. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. We are so thankful that you listened today. We pray you have a great week.